This is Michael Wayne Foster, and I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. All right, cool, man. And then you want to do one in uh, uh, Sylvester Sloan's voice? <laughs> hey, hey, yo, this is Sylvester Stallion, and uh, I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. Yeah. <laughs> Should we throw Macho Man in there for good measure? Absolutely. Hey, this is the Macho Man, Michael Foster. Yeah, and I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great, dude. Man, it's you know, been... we're at it. Do you want one more in Russian? Sure, sure. Let's do it. Привет, Bill. This is Michael Wayne Foster, and I'm listening to today's Boondoggle. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. I just wanted to take a minute in this little intro before the intro to give you an update on some of the things we got going on here at today's boondoggle and uh we recently uh launched a email account so if you have any questions suggestions or comments you're enjoying the show you want to see something different you want to see certain guests on the show you can reach us at today's boondoggle at gmail.com and as you know the coronavirus lockdown has hit a lot of us uh financially um boondoggle didn't escape it either and uh, if you want to support us financially so we can get you uh, these interviews that you enjoy each week, uh, you can donate to our GoFundMe. There's a, a, you get on GoFundMe, look up today's Boondoggle. We got a GoFundMe that will be ongoing. And um, as well as a Venmo, you can donate. If you use Venmo, go to Venmo domain or uh, today's Boondoggle. And then also there's our Anchor sponsorship on the Anchor app, anchor.fm. Look up today's Boondoggle and you can become a monthly sponsor to us there. Uh, as you know, this is a veteran-owned and operated program we got going on here. It's very, been, man, incredibly therapeutic for a guy like myself who, you know, is a veteran with PTSD and anxiety. And, uh, just gets me out there talking with people and gets me out of my comfort zone and it's been awesome, but uh, it all costs us, you know, to, the travel, accommodations to, to get to these interviews that you want to hear. So if you can help out anyway, we truly appreciate it. Um, also, please follow us on social media. It's at Today's Boondoggle. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Just please follow, subscribe, comment, comment. download the, the episodes. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Spotify, you know, any of the programs that you use to listen to your podcast, please, please uh, do whatever you can to support us and hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland. What's going on everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. And... Uh, as you recall, I, episode 77, I was uh, interviewing and talking to my longtime friend, Hollywood actor, um, Mike Foster, 
And during our interview, he told me about his amazing wife and her a little bit about her inspirational story. And I said, you know what? I got to have her on. And this is that time. And it's now. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce Karina Foster. How you doing? A little tired, but overall doing well and happy. Yeah, congratulations on the new baby. Thank you. Uh, um, I mean, me and Mike talked a little bit about that. You know, I have two teenage daughters, so... I've been through it and it's, it's a blessing and it's definitely, you guys, uh, you got a good man there. He's going to be a good daddy. (laughs) He is. But, uh, so, you know, he told me a little bit about you. This is my first time getting to talk to you. And, Mm -hmm. um, I, I felt, especially with, uh, the climate in our nation today that, uh, more people needed to hear your story and uh, how inspirational it was. Now, your uh, family uh, came from Nicaragua, correct? That is correct. And you guys, uh, they they came uh, during a time of uh, like... Well, I think the, the, the better verb would be we fled Nicaragua. Yes. So now, were you, <laughs> were you alive when they fled? Or, I mean... Yeah, I was... Uh, I was my mom was 25. I was one year, one year old. Okay. Uh, when, when uh, we had to, we, our, our only choice, our choices were imprisonment, death, or exile. So we went with exiled. Wow. And, and like now, obviously you were only one years old, but you've heard the stories from, from your family. What can you tell us about, uh, you know, a little bit about their background, even maybe what you know of before they were born, what life was like there, and then how it got to that point that you guys had to... So, um, my my father, he, he, he was an anesthesiologist in Nicaragua. Um, my mother, she's a nurse. Um, so, you know, well-educated um, family uh, who were, you know, had... A very comfortable lifestyle um, absolutely no intentions of ever leaving Nicaragua um, but then this revolutionary movement you know uh, started to gain ground and uh, what my parents actually tell me is that it's uh, what she they see here with uh, the riots and the looting and Antifa the and stuff. Um, just the, uh, the, um, I guess their agendas that are presented through these different groups, it's eerily reminiscent of what they saw in Nicaragua, where you would have these groups, um, prop making all these promises to people in regards to healthcare and education and, you know, you know, you know, having a discussion about income, like everybody being equal in the sense of uh, redistribution of wealth. And they're just, and just how they would attack religion and they would attack establishments and 
they would attack the police and anything that was any uh, law enforcement. I mean, just really promoting anarchy. And they, we live here in uh, California, and they're just, they are just scared, actually. Because it's and like the mom, history repeating itself for them, basically. Exactly. My mom's like, why, does, why do these socialists keep following us? <laughs> so... So, um, so basically it was like the same yeah. type of environment there. It's the same. My mom says that they're using the same tactics with the same rhetoric. Were they tearing down statues and all that there and trying to destroy oh, absolutely. history and everything? Absolutely. Wow. So it's like um, a, a, the same playbook being used here. Absolutely. I, I mean, this, they, it, this is, they call themselves democratic socialists and my mom and my parents just call them communists because that's what they are or that's what they feel they are. Um, and they live through it. They know, they know what it means. And, uh, so they're, they're scared and they're actually looking to leave California because they don't want to have to go through that again. No, I don't blame them. And, um, and a lot of the uh, Nicaraguan community in the United States, along with the Cuban community and the Venezuelan community, they all recognize this. And they're, I can tell you that they're definitely going to vote for the candidates that do not side with these people that they perceive to be communists and socialists. Especially when you have you know, Biden, sorry, I mean, not to get too political, but when you have a, um, a candidate like Biden who has whatever dealings with, uh, you know, someone like Bernie Sanders, who went to Nicaragua in 1984 to indulge in the what they had done there. He was a supporter of Daniel Ortega. So and, that, that was I mean, who... Uh who ended up coming into power then during your, yeah, your family's Daniel time. Ortega. Yeah. Okay. So, and, um, they, I mean, they, they, it's difficult for them to forget what happened. Um, and when you have somebody like Bernie Sanders who made accolades about Daniel Ortega, they're just, they're, they're going to be incredibly distrustful to anybody that is going to be siding with Bernie. So, you know, so they, they are definitely uh, on alert, let's say the least. Yeah. So like when they experienced it, like how long? I mean, basically, they had that movement. People were uh, I mean, what, what was the it government was, like ahead of before that happened? What was your. So I. The government before was the lesser of two evils from my perspective. Um, what we have here in the United States is the most amazing, like, democ republic. It's, it's just, I mean, I think unless you've lived something, like, I personally haven't lived through it, but from what I've, my family and just friends and everything, it's like, we, we don't, we don't understand how lucky we are to be Americans. Like, um, people talk about white privilege or economic privilege. What we have is American privilege. Like, it's a privilege to be American. And that's why you have millions of people 
willing to risk their life to come to the United States. And I mean, it just that's what that's why I don't what doesn't make sense to me in terms of these platforms that people say that the United States is so horrible. I bet you in a blink of an eye, those people that are saying that the United States is so horrible that have had the, the, the privilege of being American and living here. There are thousands and millions of people that would take their place in a moment. So it's, it's baffling to me. But uh, that being said, the government before Orte- uh, Ortega, he was, he was a dictator. It's, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's Samosa. There was a dynasty. Um, and he, had, he was a dictator. But your father was still able to, uh, you know, provide oh, yeah. for his family, go get an education, become an anesthesiologist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. There was uh, people were happy, you know. And you just, you know, there were certain things you didn't say. And you, people just understood it. Um, and of course there were some, there were issues in the country, but to go from where they were to where they, the country is now, it's the same. It's they're they're worse. It's worse off because Ortega and the Sandinistas have been in power since 1979. So they went from a more a capitalistic dictatorship to a communist dictatorship. So in the end, the people got the, those people, the, those people that really believed in that whole socialist movement um, in terms of actually trying to make things better for the country. And those, those people I feel kind of were betrayed and they, they, we killed like the, the, the Nicaraguan people killed each other and displace so many people and destroy so many lives for nothing because they're in the same position now. So they use like kind of, I mean, not just the the tactics with the the groups and the anarchists and stuff like that, but I mean, they they use like the propaganda to divide the people of the country to kill each other off, basically. Yeah, we were were absolutely divided. (laughs) Neighbors against neighbors, like completely divided. Wow. Yeah, but I mean, it was it was it was very extreme over there, though. Like I even, you know, I I hope it's not going to be anything like that in the United States, where complete private property was completely eliminated. Like we lost everything; they took everything away. Um, so So it was complete. They they took everything. If you had a house, they took it away from you. Everything was taken. And then where did, where were you expected to go? So you went wherever you could go. Whoever was taking you, you would go. Um, Our situation was, uh, we were lucky because my grandfather, um, he had immigrated to the United States in the 50s. So he was an American citizen and he was able to get my mom a visa my mom was able to get me, like, and my me, he, so my, he was able to get myself and my mother of visa to get us out. Hmm. Um, and what yeah, was I mean, your like, mother doing before all that happened? Well, so she was a registered nurse. Okay, so both of them were educated professionals there. Yes, my mom was a registered nurse working at the military hospital. 
she told me that when they knew that they were that the government had fallen and the revolutionaries were coming in, that when she was in the capital of, of, of Nicaragua, she was at the military hospital there, that the leadership said, you need to leave and go to your families. So my mom, she said that the nurses were conflicted because they had their patients, right? Mm. But these patients were all soldiers, right? And they knew, and the soldiers knew that the, when the revolutionaries came in, it was not going to be like a court system or anything like that, you know? No Geneva laws here. No, they were going to be executed. They were going to be executed. So my mom said that, that what the nurses did is that they got the most sick and handed them grenades and put them under beds. Mm-hmm. And then the those that could sit up and hold like a gun or something, they were giving them arms so that they went down fighting. Wow. So so let's just say my mom had a little bit of PTSD from <laughs> from nursing after going through all that. And um, like I said, our our Mike, my, my husband keeps saying that. My, they needed a screenplay of my mom's escape from Nicaragua. Oh yeah, because it wasn't it was an escape, and um, by the time, like with every all the chaos that was happening, my mom ultimately decided to leave when they had we they had gotten word to my mom that my dad actually had been assassinated. Oh my god. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So, so she left with you thinking that, yes. you know, your father w- was dead, right? Yes. And, um, you guys, you know, what was, what was, how, how did you get to the United States then? So we, like I said, we were very lucky. My, we got a visa to leave and we, um, because my parents were professionals you know, we had money. So if you had money and you had a place to go, you left. It was a massive educational capital drain of the country. Because if you could leave, you didn't want to be under the communists. You know, you, you learned how to live with the dictator, but you didn't want to live under the communists, right? No. So if you can leave, you can leave. So we went to the embassy. And the consulate of the United States was about to leave. And it was myself, my, my grandma, and my mom, and another, uh, another American citizen and her mom. And they were going to take us out on an American cross airplane. So the consulate makes the arrangements to get us to, you know, for us to leave on this American cross, Amer- uh, the American Red Cross um, airplane. Okay. So we are at the airport. Somehow we get dollars. Apparently there was some black market ring happening in the bathrooms of the airport that if you had cash, you could buy American dollars. So we ended up getting our hands on some American dollars. And then um, we uh, we were making it to the to the car uh, to the airplane, but it turns out it's a cargo plane. 
Okay, like a military cargo. A, a military cargo plane. So you know how those are. It's like it's not seats. Yep. <laughs> yeah, they strap you to the side of the plane. Yeah, on the inside right? though for our audience. Yeah, on the yeah, yeah. <laughs> on the inside of the plane. Yeah. So yeah, I've um, ridden in one of those. So um, I'm one year old. The pilot's like, I can't take her. Oh. Wow. She can't. How is she gonna? Where do we strap this one year old? Right. Your mom pretty much strapped you to her chest, then, huh? No, they refused to take us. No way. Yes, away. So then, what happened? So apparently, my grandma begged the pilot, but he's like, "I can't, I can't." He's like, "They're afraid that on takeoff, my mom would drop me." You know? Yeah. So, um. And then the other la- the other two ladies that were with us, it was one of them was an elderly lady with a broken arm. So they refused to take her too. Wow. So now the consulate's here with two with uh, an American citizen with her mom and us. It was my grandmother, myself, and my and my mom. And we get word that uh, a Pan American a Pan American. I don't know if it's a Pan American or a Pan- uh, uh, air- airline from Panama. <laughs> I, I, I don't have that clear. I don't, I don't remember. But um, is asking for emergency landing in Managua, which is the capital. Um, at this point, though, the rebels have taken over the airport, right? So, mm. so now um, it's an emergency landing. They get word. Some I don't know how we find out, but there's four seats on that plane. Wow. So. That's like divine intervention, have, there, huh? Yeah. And we have, I don't know how we got it, but my grandma got American dollars. So my uncle takes the money and with the consulate, like, make it to this. Um, the counter for this airline and with the influence of the of the consulate and with us having cash american dollars we buy two of the four seats wow. so we can get on that plane so, and so you and your mom yeah. got on there me well my, i was a baby so that oh, was yes. my mom your, your mom and my your grandma, grandma got the seats got on it and then the other two ladies got the other two seats. Okay. And then. And my mom. Yeah. So you I had were with your my mom. mom. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So as we, um, as we're, so my mom, my grandma, she was like super insightful, you know, because apparently my mom was kind of like, she was like on the nerve, nerve on the verge of a nervous breakdown with everything that's happening. And when they were leaving, leaving, my mom was leaving her home. She's like, what do I, what do I take? What do I take? And my mom, my grandma had the foresight is like, you take whatever you can trade. So jewel, anything that was worth any money, my mom took with her jewelry, cash, like things like that. You know, mm-hmm. the other thing she took though, that put us in a lot of danger was they took, they took their diplomas. 
their education. Like that, my the 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 proof that they were. My mom was a nurse. The proof that my dad was a doctor, because you know what the Sandinistas were doing. If they caught you with that stuff, they would confiscate it so that if you left the country, you had no proof of what you had, like what your education was. Wow. And my mom, I mean, she had heard that my, they had told us that my dad had been killed, but she wasn't, I guess, convinced. So she had taken his information um, with us. Um, and the thing is that thing, a little bit backstory is my dad, um, he was a, a really well-known anesthesiologist. Uh, so much so that he had provided anesthesia to the dictator like he was that caliber of anesthesiologist okay so um people knew who my, who my dad was and if they knew that my mom and i you know were his family they would have never let, let us leave the country no no they would have kept you they would have kept us so um anywho so Apparently, my mom's saying that she told me that as they were walking to the air, like, because the consulate, like, literally took us all the way to, like, the gate that we were going to go to get on the plane. And this is when, like, everyone's leaving. Like, the journalists are leaving. That's how bad it is, right? You yeah. know, when the journalists leave, you're just like, oh, my God, this is, like, serious. So, um, my mom says that as she's, like, like, ready to walk the tarmac to get to the plane, one of the rebels puts a uh, a rifle to her to her ribs right yeah and the the uh forgot who, it was one uh, i think it was the concert i don't know who exactly it was and she and the, he, this person told her he's like she's like don't be afraid you know and my mom was like uh, i'm afraid she's like mm -hmm. don't be afraid if he does anything to you the world finds out. Wow. Because all the journalists were right there. Right? So, uh, and my mom was already traumatized because before all this craziness happened, a group of rebels had come into our house to try to execute her in our backyard. Like, they literally were going to shoot her against the fence of our own backyard. But they they saw how little I was, and they were like, "Eh, we shouldn't kill her. Her baby's too too small." Wow. Yeah. Wow. So um. So the guy that puts the rifle to her to her ribs is like, "Give me that pendant, right?" And my and that's the thing. My grandma was so smart. She's like, "You trade all the things that's value because you never you know bring everything." So my mom just like she was literally giving away jewelry or you know just buying bribing people to let you know let her go through things just because like she you know what can she what what was she gonna do you know yeah yeah so so she had that and gave it to him and then was able to get on the plane get on the plane yeah <clears throat> yep and we left Nicaragua and made it to the United States and where did you guys arrive in the United States then San Francisco San Francisco and that's where we had family and that's where, you know, your American life started there then? Yes. Okay. So I want to hear about, like, um, 
you know, a little bit about your childhood and stuff, but I also, I mean, you eventually got reunited with your father. Yeah, it took a while because, you know, like by the time he got word, was able to get any word back to Nicaragua, we had already fled. Right? So, and his, they had no idea where we had to. And, and like, what was his story the whole time he was separated from you guys and then? He doesn't talk about it. Okay. But, you know. So, we have no, like, I, my dad, he's a very stoic person. So, he just doesn't talk about so it. So, it's like, I mean, I, I my father was a World War II vet and, you know, he would, you know, he wouldn't talk about his experience. So, I can only imagine that, you know, there were some things that he experienced or had to do, you know, to do, yeah. do what he could to survive, to, to make it there back to be with his family. Um, does he at least like kind of, you know, uh, he does not talk about it. Nothing. So even when he arrived in, in like what, you know, San Francisco where you guys were and you guys were reunited, what, um, Hey baby, this is double D also known as dream daddy. And I gotta tell y'all something about our new sponsorship here at today's Boondoggle. And the name is Dream Nutrition. So if you're looking to empower your human vitality, well then you come to the right place. With over 12 years of combined experience in cannabinoids and terpene products, Dream Nutrition products include CBD oils, patches, proteins, so much more. The endocannabinoid system is believed to have involvement in regulating physiological and cognitive processes, including the immune system, appetite, pain sensation, mood, memory, and in mediating the pharmacological effects of cannabis. Support this veteran-owned and operated company today, and today's Boondoggle fans will receive 10% off their orders when using the promo code BOONDOG10 at checkout. That's B-O-O-N-D-O-G-10 at checkout. So go to the link. That's dreamnutrition.com forward slash discount forward slash BOONDOG10. And remember, dream is not spelled like dream daddy. It's spelled D-R-E-E-M. And start saving today because you deserve to feel your best. And you know that's right. So tell them Dream Daddy and your friends from today's Boondog sent you. I, I, guess, I guess we just have to hear your, your guys' side. But he got word that you guys were alive and he came directly to find you? or So, uh, he tr- well, immigration, right? He okay. can't just come. So we had, there's a lot of paperwork for us to do. And oh, yeah, yet, he didn't have um, a visa, so. He didn't have anything, right? Cause he, and he can't go back to Nicaragua to be like, oh, I need to go to the consulate to get a travel visa. So wow. it was it was a very difficult process to for him to finally get to the United States. But, I mean, that's why for us, it's like we, we obviously, we believe in immigration. And it's difficult. It's hard. So it's, it's, it's hard for us who... We went through so much to get our family together 
to see, like, to have other people come here and not respect the laws of the country. We're like, you know, we went through the hardships and everything, and we respected the laws of the country. Hello? Yeah, like, they went through you? all the proper channels to get... You know, so it's, 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 for us, we're just like, we don't understand. It's like, we can do it. And we were in incredible distress. You know, we were poor. We managed to do it. So I don't like work at it, figure it out. Yeah. So like, (laughs) so your dad goes through all the proper channels, but I mean, do you remember like anything about like when your mother saw him again for the first time or you saw him I was again too for- little. I was I, like, it was, it's kind of like, I have a vague memory of meeting him at the airport, but that that's pretty much it. I w- it was like, I was four or five, you know? So it's very, I was just too little. I don't remember, but I remember, I remember meeting him. That's it. Wow. So, and then, um, you know, he, he your your both your parents, you know, your mom was a nurse, your dad was an anesthesiologist, but all of that gone. Uh, gone. So they, gone. they had to come here and start all over again. From scratch. Yeah. So my mom, like I told you, she had like severe PTSD from nursing because everything that she went through. So she didn't want to she did not want to pursue nursing again. So she they had to learn English. And um they um so my mom worked worked jobs like data entry and things like that and then my dad came here again he was like in his late 30s early 40s and uh he had to learn english too um but he had to work also he had to do something so for the longest time my dad he went from being like the best anesthesiologist in nicaragua he worked at a convenience store which I was actually I remember being super excited about because when I would go visit him, I, we would get free candy bars, and I, was, I thought that was really cool. <laughs> and um, so he worked in a convenience store, and then at, and he would go to school in the day to learn English, then go to the convenience store, and then at nighttime he would, he would uh, work as a janitor. Wow. And, and, but you guys were all living together, right? During this time? Yeah, at that point, yeah. At that oh, point, yes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> and then, you know, what what was your childhood like then growing up here in the United States then? Well, I mean, you don't know that you're poor when you're a kid, you know? Yeah. So, you know, very modestly we lived, you know? Um, and, but my, you know, one of the things that from very little my parents were always, you have to get good grades. You have to get good grades. You know, you have to work hard. So I did. And I, I still remember it's like in the whole like working hard. And I remember, I remember I would go and I would help go clean the buildings when they would do their janitorial work. And my job as a kid, I would, my job was to empty the ashtrays back when people used to smoke inside. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a, like, a, like a, Little kid, 10 years old, but I'd go with my parents to help clean buildings. And yeah, and I emptied ashtrays. Wow. <laughs> and I thought it was super cool. But I mean, um, I'm sure they instilled like a lot of gratitude to you too about, you know. Well, what, what I mean, of course, and... it's like we, 
Well, the thing is, it's like when you're that little, they don't really tell you we escape a war into our country and we're traumatized from by this. You know, they're just trying to get along, you know. So I didn't really know about this stuff. I didn't know my dad was a doctor. I thought he was a janitor growing up, you know. Yeah. But so. Like, um, what was the, the um, uh, did your mom, like, have any, like, uh, stories about, like, you know, women's rights compared to Nicaragua and then coming to the United States? And Well, uh, no, we never, it's just like, when I, it's one of those things, it's like. Like, could she vote wh- and stuff like that back there? And, I mean, oh, yeah, I, of she course. Go to school and, it, every, yeah. Okay. Of course she went to school. She voted. There were women engineers and women lawyers there is no like it wasn't it's like people over there they don't pay attention to the stuff that we pay attention to here because they're too worried about other stuff you know it's like and when we were back then it's like they didn't like no they didn't care about women's rights or whatever they were busy worrying about whether or not they're going to have rent money for that you know but it's like it's like i didn't feel it because i didn't like i told you it's like i didn't think anything was you know we're just you know, we had food to eat. We had a, I had a roof over my head. I had my parents with me. You know, it's like, okay, that's just, you know, how it is. Yeah. Um, and you just worked hard. And that's, that's what, my biggest thing is that they were always very supportive of, of me getting good grades. And, and I tell people, because they joke around about free college and things like that. And I was like, free college already exists. Free higher education, like graduate degrees and MD degrees, you know, those things already exist. You just have to know how to apply for those things and you need to apply yourself. So I, because I did so well academically, I got a, a academic scholarship to go to UC Davis. Mm. I went to school for free. My undergrad was absolutely free, you know? And if I would have wanted to get a free education for my medical degree, you know, I would have had it chosen a different specialty but I wanted to become an anesthesiologist. So, you know. And this is after I, you'd, you'd known that your father was one. Well, now I knew, yeah, I knew he was an anesthesiologist okay. at that point. So it helped kind of inspire that. Well, course. it was one of those things where um, I thought I was going to be a family practitioner. But then when I was doing my rotations in medical school, I did the anesthesia rotation. And the anesthesiologist kept telling me, you have like this natural ability you know, and I'm very much a positive reinforcement type of person that if you tell me I do a good job, that makes me happy. So I work harder at it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm good at this, really? And I just, I was like, well, maybe this is something I should pursue. And I actually do love being an anesthesiologist. And um, so I pursued that, that, that specialty. But uh, like I said, it's like the opportunities are there in the United States. You just have to work hard yeah people expect like uh there's like this entitlement thing which is ridiculous you're not entitled to anything you just you need it but you 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 have the opportunity for everything here (laughs) yeah so that's why i'm just like i'm like i'm so not sympathetic towards people i'm like seriously i went to go clean buildings when i was like a little kid because we were that poor and now I live in this, I mean, not to brag, but I ha- we have, like, this amazing house overlooking Los Angeles. Like, I'm living my dream. I have a wonderful husband. I have my beautiful baby. 
it's like I have a beautiful career. It's like so I it's the American dream nothing. that you hear about, you know, absolutely. And you're living it. And uh, absolutely. And that's why it's so terrifying to see what's happening right now. Yeah, it's like it it just doesn't make sense. It's just like have your parents talked sense. about like um, you know, what uh, opportunities that they were able, even though your dad, you know, worked at the convenience store and as a janitor and stuff like that after, you know, well, everything he, they he went through. He was able through. to go to, he went to community college and he was able to go with his limited English and get a, he was able to get training to become a respiratory therapist and he was able, and then was able to get a job with that and we, he was able to buy us a home. My mom and them ultimately went back to nursing, you know, and so they were able to also fulfill the American dream. And then, I mean, what's more fulfilling than seeing your children be successful? Yeah. So I have, I have a doc, you know, I'm a medical doctor. My sister has four degrees, you know, she's, <laughs> she's four, she has four degrees, but because she's not the medical doctor, uh, she's the, she's the, 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 the black sheep. <laughs> now so your sister's obviously then younger than you yeah my sister she, i would call her i call her the assimilation baby yeah so she was born here and yeah she was born here okay and um like but she still worked hard and has four degrees you know the, the you yeah, know, just hand exactly. those things out you know no she has two degrees from berkeley <laughs> and my mom she's so funny she's like yes you're going to berkeley but don't come back a communist <laughs> yeah, exactly and that's like that's what i was going to say when we were talking about what's going on here and how it's like so scary and shocking is just like they they, they infiltrated our education system yeah i but see but the thing it. is at the same at the same time it's like it it really depends also i think on family you family, know yep, and how exactly. and how involved your family is and your parents are and understanding what your 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 background is and where you come from like so for us it's forever we've been taught you know you work hard socialism is bad you know all this stuff so that we're we're just we're not gonna buy we're not gonna eat we're not gonna drink the kool-aid and that's the scary thing here you know with why we're seeing what we're seeing is because it's been part of the playbook you look at the the de destruction of the family unit where there's yeah you know, there used to be you know the dad would work mom would stay home and raise the kids and then you know it got so bad that you know mom had to work or the divorce rates are up and there's so many single parents trying to yeah and you know, i mean and, it isn't necessarily i think the important thing is to have a supportive family a supportive like family unit like our our family is a little um different because i'm the one that really has goes to work and mike takes care of the household you know unless he gets uh, books uh, books a gig you know what i'm saying yeah yeah but but it's not necessarily you know it's uh it's I mean, I think nowadays it's it's uh, I think it's wonderful that uh, a woman can be incredibly successful in her career, but also be incredibly successful as a mother. And you can see that actually in in our in the SCOTUS nomination of Am Am Amy Barrett. Yes. Like a mother of seven achieving like on the precipice of achieving the highest possible 
like position that you can get in one's career with a few adopted kids too you know yeah so you know but a mother's a mother adopted or not you know you're you're a mother yeah it's not like those if we had adopted children I wouldn't call them, oh, those are my adopted kids. Those are my children. You know, there wouldn't be a distinction. No, but um, I'm saying like, too, I mean, just to take that on, it shows the level of integrity and heart that, you know, yeah. her and her husband have, you know. So when I saw that, I was proud. I was like, yeah, not that I'm like a feminist or anything, but it's nice to see, you know, this a woman displayed like, you know, woman elevated like that or just to show women and young 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 women that you can be both you can do both you don't necessarily have to choose and you can be amazing at both exactly like i mean i i I got two like i said two teenage daughters and you know i i I inspire you know i push them and motivate them and i say look you know the sky is the limit for you whatever you set your goals to and work hard towards you know is what what you're going to get what you put in is what you're going to get out and uh don't let anything hold you back you know yeah Um, and that's the thing it's like that's one of the things that um bothers me about uh certain groups that they 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 kind of project this this uh this notion that because of your sex because of your place of birth, because of the color of the skin, there's like limitations on you. And I'm like, no, I can work just as hard. I'm just as smart. I have just as much passion as any man, as any person, no matter where they were born or, you know, no matter no matter what. It's, it just doesn't make sense to me that I'm supposed to feel like a victim because of, you know, what may have had happened to me, you know, through my life. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't, it's like, it's, it's better. I don't understand. It's like you want to empower everyone to know that they, they, they can achieve whatever they want as opposed to belittle them. And that's what makes me somewhat frustrated with certain groups where it's just like, why are you, why are you belittling me? Why are you, why do you want me to think that I, that I'm not capable of what other people are capable of? Hello. I I'm living my dream because I know I work just as hard as other people, you know? Yeah. So, (laughs) so, you know, you, you get your doctorate, you know, you, you work hard. Um, you end up meeting Mike and, uh, get married and you're let him uh you know be the uh um the the fantasy of uh millions of horny housewives all across america <laughs> on the covers of the romance novels <laughs> but that's uh, just a testament to my confidence <laughs> exactly um he shared that the story about um him in miss california and you letting yeah telling him to do a good job i was just like wow i need to meet her <laughs> But, uh, you know, you came here and, and you guys, you've been living the, living the dream, married. Now you have your beautiful child. Um, and then, you know, Corona COVID comes, Uh everything kind of in California has been like, 
Well, it already was kind of crazy before it, but now it's got to yeah. be like even more with uh, Newsom and all of them out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, we're getting through it. We see, you know, so much of, like you were saying, you're seeing, your, especially your parents are seeing like, uh, like almost history repeating itself with the Antifa mm-hmm. and BLM and all this stuff uh, coming through. Um, why do you think this is um, probably one of the most important elections of our lifetime right now? Um, I think it's multifactorial. Um, from our family's perspective, from personal experience, I think what means a lot to people of that have come from Latin America, or not just Latin America, of, of immigrants that have come from these countries that have suffered under socialism, you know, what other country can we go to? It, going back to the RNC when um, that the Cuban immigrant discussed his family's immigration, it's like that's the story of millions. And as a as a immigrant, it's like we have to protect this bastion of of capitalism and safety and freedom from socialism, you know. And it's like. I, I, I mean, we have to, we, we really, I mean, you have to see, um, did you see the, uh, the Hialeah car parade that they did, um, in South Florida? Uh, I've been seeing, yeah, I've been seeing all kinds of, I mean, we've been having a lot here in the Cleveland area. I've been seeing the boat parades and everything. You should see the enthusiasm, not all, not all Latinos. But of those that are coming, that have come from Cuba, that have come from Venezuela, that have come from Nicaragua, you know, if they, even in Bolivia, the, all those countries, you know what I'm saying, that have suffered through socialism, um, their enthusiasm for the president, for pre, the pre, the president, who has taken a stance against socialism, he, as painful as the debates were watching them last night. He made it very clear he's not going to let this country become socialist. And that, I think, is the most, to me, the most important thing, number one, for us. Yeah, like like you said about the RNC, I thought it was so well done. Those stories were real-life stories. They had real people. They didn't have celebrities up there trying to sell them a bunch of crap. Exactly. real people talking about their real-life experience. And it's it's one of those things that it's for 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 those families and the people that have had to flee, leave everything behind. It's like I don't understand. I don't think they understand what it means to have to leave everything, like what you can carry and what's on your back. And sometimes parents education was so important mm-hmm. because they took they literally took everything. They took family from us, property, money, everything. Even like beyond, besides, like, like apart from taking your life, what you have, what you learn, what you know, they can't take away that, that they can't take that away from you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's like, I, I, I just wish that, for all of those Bernie bros and the people that are wearing the Che Guevara shirts and the people that are so 
um, pro AOC, these democratic socialists. I want them to sit down with somebody that has gone through these experiences and literally open their hearts and open their minds to what it means to live through these things and, and, and have a discussion with them, you know, um, and then let them decide whether or not they really feel that socialism is the correct path for the United States. And that's one of the main reasons why I wanted to have your story here on the podcast. So for whatever, you know, uh, little audience we get, whatever, you know, whoever gets to hear this and, and hopefully shares it with others, you know, and I, I definitely, like I was telling Mike, I'm like, I'm going to have this up and out before the election. So, um, yeah. hopefully, you know, it, it, people can sit there and listen and be like, wow, you know, um, I mean, it's just a shame that, uh, I mean, how the, how the media too has, you know, just portrayed Trump as this big racist xenophobe, you know, know. it's hilarious to me. It's hilarious. Yeah. But scary at the same time, because there's so many people that buy into all that. And and it's all misinformation. If you took the time to actually like the whole Charlottesville situation, I mean, look at the tape, read the the, The transcript or yeah, read the transcript of what he said in like, not just that thing that was completely taken out of context. Yep. You know, I mean, he goes like he has had, there is a rally he did in February of 2019, I believe where he spoke to the Venezuelan and the Cuban and the Nicaraguan community. I have to say, I'll have Mike send you the clip. It's like, it was powerful about how he was talking to the Latino community and, and, really resonating about what's important to us, you know? And like this ridiculous Biden situation where you have Evelyn Gloria and Ricky Martin, like seriously, come on. Are they really in touch with the Latino people in the sense of, do they know what the struggles are of Latino people right now? They're celebrities. Yeah. Completely out of touch. And you have Biden coming out dancing despacito. And you think that because you dance despacito that we're going to vote for you? How stupid do you think we are? I know. My heart broke when when The Rock uh, just recently endorsed him, too. Uh, Mike will tell you I've been a big wrestling fan my whole life. And it was just like, oh, man. But here's the thing. It's sad. It's sad that people allow celebrities to celebrities to influence. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like. No, you make your own decisions. You you figure out what's important to you and your family or, you know, and you decide based on, on that. Exactly. I grew so, up in like a union family, you know, and I was a union worker for many years. And it's like the unions like bought, in, you know, by the Democrats, they're diehard vote Democrat. And I'm all the time I'd be like, well, wait a minute. I also served in the military to give everybody a right to choose to vote for who yeah. they thought was best for this country. So I always, you know, I followed that motto, but it's just a shame how people just, you know, they don't do their own research. You're listening to today's boondoggle with your host, the one and only Bill Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. And it's like, 
I mean, I don't know. Obviously, it doesn't make it to mainstream media, but it's like you have people like um, Artie Moreno, the owner of the the Anaheim Angels, endorsing Trump. You know, you have he has these roundtables with prominent Latino um, uh, community leaders that oh, from yeah. all from all um, ranges of life. You know. Yeah, these yeah, roundtables you know, have- I, that I've, I've, I've watched them. I follow the One American News Network. They're the, like one of the few that actually give you like real news. Yeah. And um, I don't recall any presidents before him having these roundtables and meeting with American people of all different. All know, the different backgrounds, you know. To, to hear what they have to say, to hear what their struggles are, to hear how he can help serve them. And it's like, and like you have a president that, literally is creating initiatives and programs to help the different communities like the platinum pro um, the platinum project you know that's putting the the wants to create half a million jobs for um black america and put 50 i'm sorry 500 billion dollars of investments into um, urban black communities he, yeah. he there was a similar initiative for latino community too you know but no one talks about that you know Nope, not not the. He, no one talks about the record low, low unemployment for for women. No one talks about record low unemployment for Hispanics. Uh, local unemployment for African Americans. The uh, the fact that uh, he like not forever funded. I used to, I thought it was forever, but he created funding for the historically black universities and colleges. Opportunity zones. People didn't even know what opportunity zones are where you have zip codes where you literally, whatever money you invest into those communities, you don't pay capital gain tax for 10 years to encourage these communities to, to have, um, you have influx of jobs. And when you have influx of jobs, you have more people buying homes. What does that do? You have more property tax incomes. What are the property tax goes? To the schools, you know? Yeah. It just doesn't make sense. School choice, you know, for, for kids that don't want to. I mean, it's just, I mean, all these different things that are geared to help our urban communities are, you know, not necessarily or just urban, but our communities that have been struggle struggling. I, I mean, <sighs> we are at like, this is like a war against the, the American citizen, basically. I mean, all the lies that we've been fed through mainstream media, the propaganda all the years. And we finally and have like, somebody that's, you know, doing what they say they're going to do. And and most people just, it's just crazy, especially, I mean, I, I can imagine what it's like in California. But Oh, it's horrible here. It's horrible. It's, it's t- like, I've never been scared of people targeting me as a person of, I'm, I'm putting air quotes, a person of color, an immigrant, whatever you want to say, a female. I'm terrified if people find out I'm a Trump supporter. <laughs> terrified. I'm not. I'm not kidding. It's insanity. I'm terrified. It's like I'm, I would be. I'd be scared that they would not respect any boundaries. That they would attack me and my family. Terrified. I used to have a um, a Blue Lives Matter magnet on my car. The police here actually said we appreciate your support, but you should really ch- um, take that off. We don't want your car to be vandalized. Yeah, or worse, you know. You know, 
So it's one of those things that it's it's terrifying the the reaction that people the, the how brainwashed they are. And it's not all, but here in California it's like it's very it's it's difficult to have a conversation with somebody that disagrees with your positions. Um because you, you just it's not it's impossible to have a conversation with them. There are very there's some friends that I have that are, you know, of opposite opinions, but they know me well enough as you know, without uh, knowing what my views are that they understand that I'm a good person and they respect me. So we are able to have discussions. But for those that don't know me, it's like their 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 reaction to to anybody conservative is like hate and you know it's hard and it's you know you 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 I do I mean I get upset but I'm more upset of those people that are influencing these these people to think this way by yeah, misinforming exactly. them you know exactly I mean, it's like I it's like that forgive them for they know not what they do the the people that are buying and believing that because that's yeah. all they know and all they've been told you know you know it's it's and it's like, like the president's not perfect, you know. He's not. I, I kind of, I, he's a narcissist, but he's getting stuff done. So exactly. I don't care if he's a narcissist. I don't care if he's a narcissist. Like my friend would always say, it's not always what somebody says; it's what they do. Exactly. And he is getting so much done. I wish he would be quiet more, you know. Oh yeah, but- I think all of us that support him <laughs> wish he would be quiet more. But I mean, that's just who he is. And the thing is, um, yeah, I mean, when you're, can you imagine being under that constant attack, taking, leaving your, your millionaire lifestyle to, to take this on and be under that constant attack, you know, it's just, he's, but he, and he's still fighting. So, I mean, and he's fighting for us. And that's the thing. It's like, he's fighting for the American. Which, what I don't understand, it's like he's fighting for you, silly. Like, he literally, despite you hating him, he's fighting for you. Because despite you not liking him, he's still, like, you're still an American. And he just wants what's best for America. And there's nothing wrong with that. Other countries do the same thing for their own people. That's just common sense, you know? And I, even though I wasn't born in this country... It's like, I'm American first. That's what I am. I'm an American. Amen. <laughs> well, you know, this has been awesome. We've got like, <laughs> we've had an hour here and I, it, man, it's great to hear. I mean, I'm, that's a good closer right there. You know, American first, everything you've been through and your family, like, well, real quick, like how, how's mom and dad doing today? They're fine. They're good. They're they're they have their home in Northern California. Uh, they're voting for Trump. <laughs> <laughs> and they're uh, very uh, proud uh, of of their new grandbaby. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they're very happy. Absolutely. They say that they have to protect them, protect the baby from the socialist. <laughs> yes, I mean another reason why we need four more years of President Trump. Yeah. You know, so yeah. to to give our children a future too. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It, it's so and that's, important. I, 
Mike and I were really involved in trying to help. There's a lot of issues happening in Nicaragua um, with the dictator down there with Daniel Ortega. And we would go to these marches. And, you know, the, the people that we encounter there, they're also very anti-socialist. And a lot of the things that they would say, it's something that you, you just said and echoed, is that they want to make sure that this country is not socialist because they don't want their children to grow up socialist. Exactly. I'm, I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I served in the military. I'm, you know, approaching 50 now that I don't have, you know, plenty of life to live. But I also am like, you know, it's not for me anymore. None of this is what, yeah. what I'm fighting for isn't for me anymore. I want my daughters to grow up and experience and know the America that I grew up in. My father fought in World War Two, you know, and everything that he yeah. gave to me, you know. And I just, uh, I just hope and pray. I, I'm seeing more of an awakening. I'm seeing more of this dark. It's like a spiritual battle. I mean, more. It, it's oh, so yeah, much darkness. And, and I'm seeing more of it come to light. And those with eyes are seeing. And I am seeing more and more people unafraid to, uh, you know, plant their flag and get ready. Yeah. So I'm trying not to be overwhelmed if we if we follow like the media and the, you know, social media and stuff. It's like this the uh minority are the loud ones you know but there's yeah. that silent majority out there and uh it's true i just got to keep praying i, I uh, you know i i pray every day for my family i pray for our president and his family and uh for our nation and uh I'll definitely be keeping Absolutely. you guys in my prayers too well thank you bill i really appreciate that and thank you for your service thank you and um Man, just thank you for uh, this opportunity. Um, this, Absolutely. This has been great, and I hope that uh, we're able to reach and transform some hearts and minds with this. Yeah, I mean, you get one person. So just FYI, it's like one of, or not FYI, but one of the things that we can do is get people registered to vote. Yep. You know? So I've, I've, I have five. I've got five. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Well, hey, you know, I uh, I'm gonna go ahead and um, get us wrapped yeah. up here, but Sounds I, I want to thank you again, and I look forward Absolutely. to, you know, hopefully meeting you in person sometime in the near future. I, like I said, I, let's I, work I, that out because I gotta because I gotta hit you up for some like really uh, funny Mike stories too sometime. Oh God, so. there's plenty. <laughs> but uh, man, you know, good guy. Uh, I'm I'm really happy for the both of you guys. Thank you. Um, like and, and and funny that uh, you know um, he told me about one of your first dates too. You know, involving you know like heavy metal and rock and all that. So good for good on him. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thank you, thank you for your time. It's been great talking with you. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely try and uh, meet up sometime in the future. It sounds good. All right. Take care. Okay. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, and thanks for listening to today's Boondoggle. And now, for your listening pleasure, Florence Whitingale presents his latest epoch.
Now I know that last song was like daddy coming home And you know you want more And coming soon you can find it At theflowwhiteshow.com But for now, feel the flow Exclusively here on today's Shit up those my dust lungs, man. carry parasites. Oh, you're not get paid for it, Bill. You breathe it in, you're no, I, I am. Every time they get beer night, Hey, man, I listen to her. Every time. Hey, I'm telling you what, the guy's amazing at that job. He's retired now. They're holding their beer in the middle. Remember that phone call? Remember we got that phone call? He's retired. I actually have a video of myself in a dust storm. I was taking videos for my my daughter was in sixth grade when I was over there. So I was taking videos for her class of different shit that I was involved in, and I have a video of me walking into a dust storm and and taking pictures of shit that I was uh, working. I've, actually, I lived a mile from my office, so I had to walk across the desert to my office through a dust storm. Uphill both ways, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, at that point, I was on a camel with no name. I was in Kuwait. Yeah, I spent a lot of time up in Iraq and over in Afghanistan. I heard the volleyball team for Crack, they're awesome. <laughs> they had the boats splashed in the water, right? These volleyballs were come in. And I thought when I went over, at least I ain't gonna have to shovel snow. Man, I tell you what, when that dust storm came in, those boats were on the pier. Thank you. There was two to three foot of dirt oh, yeah. in the well deck. Remember, we had to shovel all that dirt out, yeah. man. And then the depleted uranium the is in some of that shit. Yeah, he's on the, 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 uh, yeah, the, uh, the outer work. banks. Uh, and thank you for listening to another story time. From the VFW Hall, brought to you by today's Boondoggle.
Thank you for listening once again to today's Boondoggle Radio Show. Please check out our website, DomainCLE.com and Today'sBoondoggle.com. Be sure to follow us on social media at Today's Boondoggle on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter for more information about this podcast. Support us on www.anchor.fm forward slash Today's Boondoggle as well as on GoFundMe and Be sure to subscribe, comment, download, and listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spreaker, and all the other podcast platforms. Please email us with questions, suggestions, and comments via todaysboondoggle at gmail.com. Please leave us comments and five-star reviews. Thanks once again for listening to today's Boondoggle Radio Show. Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland.